Hey, this is Liz. This is Heather. And this week's book club episode, we are covering Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. We are also covering the series you can find on Amazon Prime. All right, hit that music. So, Heather, I've been reading a lot lately, which is not unusual for me. Man, I ran across Leah Remini's book about Scientology, like leaving Scientology. And man, it is fucked up. Yeah, didn't they make a documentary about that? <laughs> yes, I found it on Hulu. A&E actually has done, I think, two seasons of this documentary about Scientology and all of these people who had been like high-ranking people in the world of Scientology who have since escaped. And I'm not just talking like left. I'm talking like escaped, literally climbed over the wall, ran down a car, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. Like just total batshit crazy. And I don't think I can watch Tom Cruise movies anymore. You got to separate the crazy from the actor. (laughs) Yeah, except... I'm supporting the actor if I'm watching his movies, and he's a fucking nutball who is like actively destroying people's lives. And I, I just like, mm, I don't yeah, know. he's he's part of an organization that's actively destroying people's lives. But I'm also a member of the U.S. government, kind of, <laughs> and I feel like it hits the same. You know, it checks the same boxes. That's all. Well, I think if it was like just I'm the you know kind of the celebrity spokesperson for Scientology versus. What at least she proclaims in her book and others have kind of backed up in these stories that he's a lot more involved. Like he's kind of the number two guy in the church behind this David Miscavige, who sounds like just a total fucking psycho. So this is my intro to Scientology right here. All right. (laughs) Didn't South Park do a Scientology one and a Mormon one? Both. I remember the Mormon one. Yeah. It was hilarious. They did a Scientology one. Absolutely. So. Yeah, because I think Chef left because he was a Scientologist. He got mad. Mm. Yeah. Like I said, the book was really good. Very eye-opening. This is not any sort of thing that I really have any prior knowledge of other than, you know, the cuckoo stuff that you hear about, you know, in the news, the tabloids and whatever. And then I started watching the A&E special or series uh, night before last. and. Wow. And then like while they're filming this, the the Scientologists are following them. Like they are literally being stalked while they're making the documentary about being stalked by Scientology. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense because if they didn't follow them around, you'd be like, are you making the story up? I know, but I guess, I guess, I mean, I grew up in the Methodist church, right? And and I would say the Methodists, like some of the laziest Christians out there, like we're just like, meh, whatever. Uh, just be a good person. You'll be fine. You know, that kind of very, very low key, very cool people most of the time. I've never heard of anybody having to escape the Methodist church. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's just, That just doesn't seem normal. Yeah. So, you know, growing up Mormon, it's Mm. not the same because you can just leave. They don't care. And and honestly, that's what a lot of the Scientologists do. When you leave Scientology, they make people who are still in it completely disconnect from you. So people are losing their families, losing their children, like all this crazy stuff. And it's like, damn, that's hardcore. I guess I just don't have that much uh, faith in anything. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I like my family that much anyway, so. <laughs> How much uh, would it really compare I disconnected yet? from half of my family just because they're dickheads, but, I've, you know, the other half I like pretty well. I would hate to lose them. My immediate family I like quite a bit, but. Yeah. If my family's listening, I'm joking. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> I so, don't think they listen to the podcast, but I don't want them to go and listen to it and think, oh, Heather hates her family. Yeah, I think I have a cousin or two who might listen, but I love them dearly. So it's clearly not them that I'm talking about. But speaking of books about religious type stuff, uh, we're covering one this week, which is totally odd for us. Oh, well, okay. 
Yes. <laughs> I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we're not talking about, oh, we're pushing a religion, but we are covering Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. And I think this book was actually released the first time in the, was like 1991. Yeah. And I'm really sad that I never heard about it. I didn't either. Like, I mean, when the, when the series came out, it was the first time I'd heard about it. We were like, oh, hey, we should cover that because there's a book and there's a series and it ties in well with our book club and we can talk about the TV show because it's got, uh, David Tennant in it, who we love and Michael Sheen, who we love. And it's, yeah. So I'm glad we, we found this book. I'll also say the audio book for Good Omens, is about 13 hours long, which is super short for Neil Gaiman. So I'm just going to say, I think it's about half the length of uh, of American Gods from when we covered that one. Yeah, it is a drive to and from San Jose. That's what, that's the length of Good Omens. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a long drive. It was a long drive. But you know, it was just, just the last drive I had to do. So yeah, <laughs> sure. I had mentioned this in a previous podcast that I think that Terry Pratchett really dialed down Neil Gaiman. <laughs> yeah, she he really reined him in a bit. So. Yeah. And and I think that it uh, works out for the best because this is the greatest. And I'm really sad that we didn't read this for our book club instead of uh <laughs> instead of Amer- American Gods. Not that American Gods is bad. It's just weird and fucked up and it took like three and a half months for me to prepare for our uh, God, it was so weird because it took so long to read it. Yeah, and you listened to it too, right? Yeah, I listened to it. and I had a full cast, and the guy that played um, Shadow sounded like super hot. So you know, he was probably like a troll looking. You know what? Shadow is super hot. Oh, in the Showtime series, he is. Woo! Mm-hmm. Well, that's what he looked like in my head. They did a really good job of casting that one. So yeah, but yeah, it's that. But that book was totally fucked up. I mean, if you haven't read it, somebody gets eaten by a vagina on the first page. So. Yeah. <laughs> There's so, that. Th- so this book has remarkably very little sex in it. Uh, yeah, there's no for, vagina monsters at all. For Neil Gaiman, even mm-hmm. though um, the fan fiction spinoffs certainly have a lot of sex in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm totally shipping um, uh, David Tennant and Michael Sheen now. Oh, them as people. Yeah, not necessarily Crowley and uh, Aziraphale. Mm-hmm. Just as people, I just want them to get together now. Sorry, wives. Yeah, yeah. are you? Sh- you're shipping them? <laughs> yeah, totally shipping them. Yeah, I, I didn't them. even know what shipping was until we did our episode Rogue One with Matinee Heroes. So that's how what? old I am. Shipping is a very common term, and it's been used for so long. I I never heard it before that. So I don't know. I guess oh. I'm not in the know on the the talkies and the new words and whatnot. Okay. So anyway, let me read the description that I have from the library on this book. And just because if we try to summarize the book, it'll be two hours from now. And you're like, huh, all they did was summarize the book. So this says, according to the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter, which the world's only completely accurate book of prophecies written in 1655 before she exploded, the world will end on Saturday, next Saturday, in fact, just before dinner. So the armies of good and evil are amassing, Atlantis is rising, frogs are falling, tempers are flaring, everything appears to be going according to divine plan. Except a somewhat fussy angel and a fast-living demon both of whom have lived among Earth's mortals since the beginning and have grown rather fond of the lifestyle, are not actually looking forward to the coming rapture. And someone seems to have misplaced the Antichrist. Now, come on, who doesn't want to read that book? Yeah, exactly. The whole premise of the book, I really obviously enjoyed it, but my love for the book is the relationship between Aziraphale and Crowley. Oh, it's the best. Oh, we got to say, obviously, book club. Spoilers. We'll also be spoiling the crap out of the uh, Amazon Prime series. So if you haven't watched it, pause this, go watch it. It's only about six hours long. Then come back. Okay. All right. So I think that the best part of this book was not necessarily the story overall, which is a good story, but the relationships between all of the different characters. And like I was saying, I really love Aziraphale and Crowley. And even on the miniseries, they had the episode kind of where you saw them become friends throughout history. That was so good. So good. I I just kept, I keep rewatching it. 
Mm-hmm. It's just fun. You get to see all these historical periods, and then you can see where they start to realize that, like, hey, everything that you do that's good, I do that's bad. So we keep canceling each other out. So <laughs> maybe we just not. <laughs> maybe we just hang out. Or, but but they're also like, why do we both need to travel to Scotland? Like, you go and do both the good and the bad, and then I'll go over here and do the good and the bad. And it was, it's. Just, I love their collaboration and the fact that neither of their, you know, respective home offices have a clue what they're doing is awesome. But I do love, like you said, that they've just, they forged this friendship and it's unlikely and it's not something you would expect and they're always crapping on each other, but it works. But they both have an appreciation for things like Aziraphale really appreciates books and he appreciates food. Sushi, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then that was kind of one of the funnier things is that they were talking about sushi, and Crowley's like, I never had it. And he goes, oh, can I tempt you? And he's like, oh, that's normally what you do, right? (laughs) That was great. I love that. (laughs) Oh, I just love them. So I I have to say that one of my favorite things about the series, aside from their friendship, was just the opening credits and sequences that they have. The graphics of it. Everything is amazing. Also, we got about 20 minutes in, and then they played one. I was like, wait, what just happened? Like... (laughs) we were already in the show and all of a sudden the you know the thing popped up and i was like oh well all right so i think streaming services are doing that to us because they're pushing it further and further in because then you hear it and you're going oh this is a new episode i know did it just start what happened and they're like no no this is the same thing we were just talking about and then you go well fuck i might as well finish this episode then too like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i almost i was ready to go through all of them but i think uh Paul started watching it with me and he had to end up going to bed, you know, for work. (laughs) So uh, we waited until Saturday and finished them all, you know, in a couple hours. And I was like, my dad's like, when does season two come out? I was like, "Eh, it doesn't. This is kind of the end, you know, (laughs) which is disappointing. This is a series that I would love to just continue to watch the adventures of Azarafel and Crowley. Just speaking of the acting abilities. Michael Sheen. I mean, I always so good. I always see him as Tony Blair when I see him like in real life because he was Tony Blair in the um one of the one of the movies. <laughs> I, I see him as the the vampire guy because he was in Twilight. He was like the head Shit, of the Volturi. He was. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I actually envision stuff where he was good at acting, but um <laughs> well, <laughs> well, then I have to make sure I'm not confusing him with Simon Pegg because the two do look incredibly similar in real life if they both have the same hair going on like a wig or something yeah they do they have a very similar uh feel to them yeah i'm like oh that's that oh that's not simon Pegg. that's michael sheen so yeah so um but yeah he's played tony blair on the queen and i think that's where i always pick him up so when i see him in real life because his hair is similar that's who i mm-hmm. think of but yeah. when he popped into this character this character feels like it was made for him he is so good. And it's funny because I was I was listening to the audiobook for this one and they do it so well. But this was recorded in like 2009. So this is like 10 years ago that this book was released and it sounds exactly like the characters that they found from the show. So they just did a really good job. Yeah, I agree too cuz I was, you know, when I was listening to it I'd already seen the movie or yeah. seen the series. And yeah, that sounds exactly how uh David Tennant would say that. Yeah, and I thought that, but I didn't watch the series until after I read the book. But I obviously know what David Tennant's Scottish accent sounds like, and that's what it sounded like to me. So yeah, they either had them in mind when they recorded it. Maybe it was a re-recording, though. The book, the library doesn't really tell me, but it was it was pretty amazing. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed the audiobook as well, but it was very similar to the series. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was only one major change, and I liked the major change, so I was happy with it. What was the major change? Maybe I missed uh, it. The bathtub and the chain, they switched oh, faces yeah, at yeah. the end. That was awesome. Oh my God, that was one of my favorite things. That was so smart. And, and Neil Gaiman was part of the show, so he mm-hmm. was able to probably make sure that it felt true to the series, and it really did. And in fact, that was kind of one thing that disappointed me with the end of the book was like, I didn't get uh, their relationship tied up in a little bow, and I really wanted to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the Antichrist, cries, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but he's happy, but whatever. <laughs> nobody cares. Yeah, nobody cares. I care about the Hellhound. Mm-hmm. I care about oh. Crowley. I care about Xerophil. <laughs> yeah, so the Hellhound, especially in the series was one of these that I was a little, that was the only thing that kind of disappointed me. I loved how they did it, 
And they did it as best as they could because in the book, there is a lot of inner monologue from this dog, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he's, he's mean and he's gruff and he's growling. I'm going to tear everybody to pieces. I can't wait to be a destroyer. But his job is to do what the Antichrist tells him to do and wants him to do. And he wants to please his master. So as soon as this kid names this dog, which he names dog. Because he has no imagination. <laughs> zero imagination at all. And he's like, oh, I don't want a big dog. I want a little dog. And so then the hellhound's like, I should turn into a little dog. And he does. Like, poop. Now he's a little dog. And I love the inner monologue of the dog. There's some of it in the the voiceover in the show. It's yeah. not as much really talking about how much this hellhound is enjoying being a dog on earth as opposed to a hellhound in hell. Like he's talking about rabbits and cats and, you know, all these different things, which I think they managed to get a good like cat nose boop and some other things happening. But ugh. So good. I agree. I completely enjoyed that. I did like on the uh, mini series the visuals of that hellhound, and I'm like, yeah, that looks like a hellhound. <laughs> I mean, what yeah. they did with the CGI really worked. I was very happy with it. Also, there was there was something in the book that I picked up on that I was looking to see if it would be in the show, but I didn't see it in the book. They start talking, you know. In the, okay, so in the beginning. In the beginning, uh, Crowley, Crawley, what's his name? Crawley? Like it's Crawley like a snake. So Crawley is from, by these two other demons is given the baby of the Antichrist to take to this hospital and swap out for the son of the American ambassador to something. I don't know. Played by Nick Offerman in the thing. And how cute is he? I love Nick Offerman. I know. It's so fun to see him be like an asshole. I, but I like listening to just giggle. Like, yeah. if you ever hear Nick Offerman giggle, it's like the, the most joyous sound in the world. It's bizarre. But anyway, so he's supposed to be switching these babies. And of course, another mom comes in. So now there's three babies and two parents and they have to switching them around and they, they fuck it up, right? So they switch. They've got the stupid nurse in there, this nun nurse who's an idiot. She mixes up the babies. And so now the couple that was not going to be receiving the Antichrist, has in fact received the Antichrist. And then the other couple has gotten this this couple's baby. And then there's this third baby that they're like, I'm sure you would love to hear that this baby grew up and did wonderful things and raised exotic fish and blah, 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 blah. And maybe he did. And they, they just like leave it at that. So you just think, oh, well, they, they killed this baby. They killed the baby. <laughs> That's terrible. But in the book... They go through and they talk about the them, which is Adam, who is the Antichrist, basically. Um, his game is called the them. And then there's another gang in town that they're always pitted against each other in the book. They don't really talk about it in the, in the series, but I think the boy who's the head of that gang, they talked about him a lot in the book. I think he may be that third baby because I keep talking about how he likes to raise these exotic fish. Huh. So I was waiting to see if that would pop up, but it never did. But yeah. it makes my mind happier to think that this child did make it out into the world somewhere and he's just a normal, mediocre kid. Well, I hope so. I do think that it is very telling that the Antichrist, who named his dog Dog, also named his gang Them. Right. I mean, really? <laughs> he's got no imagination. You've got all the power in the world to make anything happen and you make mediocrity happen. So good job. Yeah. But I think that was the big difference because they spend a lot of time, Azarafel and Crawley spend a lot of time teaching who they think the Antichrist is, which is this kid named Warlock. That was so fun. I know. Who does belong to the American ambassador and his wife. So they come in, uh, Crawley goes in as like the nanny and in the series, this is hilarious because he's like dressed like a woman, but it just looks like David Tennant dressed like a woman. Yeah. And then uh, Azarafel is the gardener. And so Warlock is always saying, well, the nanny tells me that I should be evil and do all these horrible things. But the gardener tells me, no, no, be a good person, you know. And so he's yeah. got these, these he's literally got the angel and the demon like on his shoulders for the first 11 years of his life that they're waiting for him to come into his own as the Antichrist. And so this kid is not, he's not really a good kid. You know, he's yeah. kind of a shithead. And, uh, you know, at his birthday party, this is when they're expecting the hellhound to show up and it's going to start the doomsday clock down to this six more days until the end of the world kind of thing. But the dog never shows up yes. because he's, he's with the actual Antichrist elsewhere. Exactly. 
The best part about that whole uh, scene was Crowley realizing that something had happened because he was calling, you know, the, the on the demon line, you know, like, hey, <laughs> where's where's that hellhound? I know, but did did it get a late start? <laughs> yeah, and he starts to click in his head that the kid must have got switched because this is not the Antichrist, and mm-hmm. um, uh, and he's like, oh, oh yes, there he is, very helly, like. <laughs> He's Bye, he's dog. running this way. He looks terrifying. Gotta go. Bye. So, yeah. So now they have to figure out where this kid is and they don't have a clue. So they have to like go through, they go back to the hospital or what was the hospital, but the hospital had like burned down at the last second. And what were the, what were the nuns names? It was like the sisters of eternal chatter or I don't know, something It was like something that. weird. Yeah. They're all satanic they were, nuns. And yeah, they were demon worshipers. So, but you couldn't tell, you know, obviously that whole family that went in with real kids, you had no idea, but I swear I saw like a, a devil statue behind about like, nobody notices that. All right. What, whatever. <laughs> well, probably when you're in labor, you don't really pay too much attention. Sounds like that's all they were set up for was this one delivery. Didn't look yeah. like they were an active hospital otherwise. Yeah. So those poor nuns, they're, everything that they were doing is just got burned to the ground. Way to make satanic nuns like you feel bad for them. Like, <laughs> I know. Okay, we got to talk about Crowley and his car. Oh, yeah. He's got that vintage Rolls Royce. And he loves it. He plays Queen all the time. Oh, but all the all the songs turn to Queen. Remember that was like the best of Queen. Remember that from the book? They said every tape, because it had like an actual tape deck in it in 1991, as you would, that every tape after like a day or two becomes the best of Queen. So they're like, let's listen to Shostakovich or whatever, and they pop it in and it's Bohemian Rhapsody. So I thought that yeah. was awesome. Every car eventually, after going through so many owners, gets the best of Queen. It's in the it's in the car. Yeah. So, <laughs> it was funny. But um I loved that they kept narrating with Queen, except for the audiobook. The narrator trying to sing the Queen songs but not sing the Queen songs because I guess they can't. <laughs> right. Um it was, you know, I see a little silhouette of a man. Alibut, alibut. Like, he's trying to do it, but he cannot do the same. He can't do it in the same cadence as mm. the song. And so it's very disturbing. I'm like, oh, oh, can we just not sing it? Like, not- I like that the, the voice of God was Frances McDormand. Oh, I love her. And then uh, at one point they talked something about God and he's like, I'll see if she'll take your call or something, which was yeah, awesome. You know, everything about both the series and the book really kind of lent itself to just a fun story. I, you know, I'm not religious, obviously, mm-hmm. but, you know, we know this. We know the stories and we know the basis of all of them. There, mm-hmm. It's just fun to hear like, oh, you know. They they understand that a demon is just a fallen angel, and so they're all from the same stock, right? But they've yeah. gone separate ways. I, I really enjoyed that Aziraphale, who's really walks the path, was able to completely understand, like, I'm supposed to love everybody, so I what's wrong with, uh, you know, I guess they don't say love, but I say love. Loving this demon. <laughs> he loves him. Oh, they're so cute. They did so well together, and it's so fun to watch because, you know, they're, they will deny it to themselves, they deny it to everybody that they're friends and as Arafel's like we're not friends we're just acquaintances who like to spend time together I was like yeah that's what friends are but uh you know and like when Azarafel accidentally steps into the and that you know the the witch hunter guy thinks that his finger has like become this gun and now he's all powerful which he doesn't it was just stupid he stepped into the calling circle or whatever and he loses his body and he disappears and Crawley is now distraught because his best friend is gone. His best friend is dead. And I was like, ugh, I love that. Oh, I know. And then when they got in a fight, now I liked it because they got in like several fights throughout the course of this this story. And mm-hmm. I like that because, you know, you fight with people. Like it's it's completely normal, especially when, you know, one works for Coke and one works for Pepsi. You guys are going to fight about shit, right? right. Yeah. All these religious people are going to be really me, uh, upset <laughs> with me, like referring to like people that like demons or like the Pepsi guys and the... <laughs> Angels are like the Coke guys. You didn't say who was who. <laughs> yeah, well, I've just decided. There Coke, you go. Coke Zero on the left. We're good. Uh- <laughs> Pepsi's garbage. <laughs> Unless they want to support our show, and then and then, we and then we'll Pepsi. be all for Pepsi. Yeah, right. Uh- <laughs> Still won't drink it, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Ugh. 
Anywho, but like they fight. And one of my favorite scenes was when they were fighting outside uh, the bookstore and Crowley says, you know what? Guess what? I'm going to go and I'm not going to think about you anymore. You know, that's when he wanted to escape. Mm -hmm. And uh, this guy goes, let him go. You're better off without him. (laughs) You deserve better. You can find another man. (laughs) It was awesome. I don't know. But if I saw if it was like David Tennant in like this vintage Rolls Royce, I'd be like, you know what? Go after him. Go after him. Get (laughs) him. Go after him, girl. Like, really? (laughs) So basically, they have to find the Antichrist and they, they want to put a stop to the end of the world. They really like the world. They enjoy their finer things. They enjoy their vices and whatever. And they enjoy each other. And they understand that if we destroy everything, which is what both heaven and hell really want to happen. Yeah. Like they, they don't give a shit about the humans exist. They don't, they don't care. They're like, no, no, you, it's not about avoiding the fight. It's about winning the fight. Like they're, they're very, very, you know, set on having this happen. So you've got these two, people, angels, demon, that are trying to stop it. So they go back to the hospital, but it's now been turned into some kind of like corporate retreat, like team building shit, paintball. <laughs> and then they find that this this stupid nun, the one who switched the babies up, is now the head of this thing that she like realized, oh, hey, I can learn how to be a corporate whatever now that I'm not a sister of chattering de- devilry. And uh, so she just like, open this business. And now she does corporate team building and trying to remember like, okay, so all the records have burned down. I think they were, you know, it was from this village or whatever. And they go somewhere and they run over this lady on a bike, right? Yeah. Her name yeah, is the- Anathema Device. Yep. And she is a witch. She is the great, 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 great granddaughter of Agnes Nutter, witch. And so she is an occultist. She she has had the book and she follows these nice and accurate prophecies. So pretty much everything she does has already been divined. Like this is already, so it's already known that this is going to happen. So she lives her entire life knowing when and where and what things are going to happen, except they don't always have the names and the dates on them. So you have to kind of suss it out. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. Like they show that her mother bought into uh, Mr. Jobs' fruit company. <laughs> and stuff like that. There was just, you know, things that kind of got lost in translation if they figured out what it was. Yeah, everything made sense like after the fact. Yeah. Like when, uh, what's his name, the young witch hunter guy who cannot touch computer so they go haywire uh he like flips his car and it's like in the blue chariot you know has three wheels in the sky and all this kind of stuff and you're like what and then you know when it happens it's like oh well that makes sense yeah but um agnes nutter's granddaughter played a major part in the story but i didn't find it too compelling but mm-hmm. uh that was basically her getting run over by crawley accidentally um mm-hmm. <laughs> was uh how Aziraphale got a hold of the prophecy book and he opened it up and actually said there was an angel reading the book and mm-hmm. the, this is where the, the Antichrist is. And he's like, well, shit, it's just right here, you know? Right. It's like, oh, there's this phone number. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. we'll just call that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he gets the book. He realizes where the kid is. We can go find him. And he's the one who's like, we can kill him. Like, we need to kill him. We have to kill this kid. That's the only way that's going to stop this from happening. Yeah. And I think even Crawley's like, we're going to kill a kid? Like, yeah. Is that, is that what we're going for? Like, aren't you supposed to be the angel? Yeah. I think Aziraphale was trying to get Crowley to be the one that kills him. And he's like, I- I- I'm not going to kill the kid. But that's not my thing. <laughs> and you- And you see that through the whole time is that, like, Crowley, even though he does, like, evil things, he doesn't kill anybody. Um, yeah. I like that his, like, he's not even, like, tempting people anymore and doing the demonic stuff. He's like, I tied up all the cell phone services in Lower London. It was amazing. And they're like, well, what does that do? Like, <laughs> yeah, what? how bad was that? And and it's like, oh, but it really is bad because, like, now all the traffic is dead and people are angry with each other and they're taking yeah. it out on each other because their cell phone service is down. Obviously, this was not a thing in 1991, but as yeah. they've redone it for the series, it makes more sense. My favorite part was him discussing how he's screwed up the uh, freeway in London. He's like, they're going to be so mad. And then it becomes like his biggest downfall. 
because he needs to get through this to get to where he needs to go. Yeah. I don't know why Anathema and the witch hunter guy had to have sex, but apparently that was prosthesized, so it's everywhere. Yeah, but they were a cute couple, so go ahead. They're adorable, yeah. Yeah. But then um, when Crawley has to go, oh, we've also got the four horsemen of the apocalypse have gotten together and what they say, pestilence retired. So yeah. now it's pollution. Yeah. So it's war, famine, pollution, and what was the other one? Death? Yeah, death, duh. Uh, so they're they're coming together. They have to get together and meet up with Adam, who is the Antichrist. And um, so- you know, Crawley is having to get through this traffic and his, you know, they've set the highway on fire. His car is on fire. He's literally driving it. It is fucking on fire. But he's like through sure strength of will and like imagination. He's imagining that it's not on fire. And this is the only reason it keeps rolling. Like, it's just great. It was kind of hard to grasp, but whatever, as long as it works. I just like when they, he pulled into the town and was asking the guy for directions. The guy's like, what he wanted to say was, hey, idiot, do you know your car's on fire? But because he's polite, he's like, oh, no, you go down to the car. Your car's on fire. You go down to the the thing and you turn left and you follow this down. And by the way, your car's on fire. Like He's like, he should know it's on fire. He's sitting in it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You didn't get that in the series, but yeah, Mm -hmm. that was kind of a fun part of the book on tape, or I was to the book on tape. Well, yeah, yes, I, say, I, say I that. Audiobook I say too. book on tape. <laughs> <laughs> That's I still call them that too. Anyway, beside the point. Yep. Going back to Good Omens, but it was written at the time in which all of this stuff would have been completely relevant on audio tape. <laughs> yep. <laughs> or that CDs is true. or compact discs. Yeah, we were getting into CDs then. I'm not really sure when the audiobook industry switched over from tape to CD, but because we yeah, used to get them from the library and stuff. And you but. remember it was always like a box with 74 discs in it. And you're like, what is happening? It's this big ass box of stuff. Now it's a quick download in my iPad. You know, the book and the series talked about the witch hunter uh, army. <laughs> and uh, both of them nut. had a guy with a terrible Scottish accent. And it's really funny because you have a guy with a valid Scottish accent, uh, David Tennant. And mm-hmm. I wonder if it annoyed him. This, uh, I mean, it was clearly <laughs> trying to be like this fake stupid one because they showed him when he was young, too. Yeah. Remember, he was the only one, but he's like pretending that yeah. there were others. So now they're like Lieutenant Fork and, yeah. uh, you know, Mr. Scarf and shit like that because he just didn't have any imagination. Yeah, it was very cute. And then he kept asking Aziraphale for money because, yeah. oh, you know, Lieutenant Fork had an accident. And there, he's like, oh, okay, I'll send flowers. And <laughs> yeah, and that was uh, that was Michael McKean from all the Christopher Guest movies, if you're yeah, yeah. familiar with him. And how, how cute was John Hamm playing Gabriel? Adorable. And it's exactly like I would expect for somebody that really wants a war. Yeah, exactly. You know? He's like pretending to be like the good guy, but then he's like, but no, we need to kill each other. I think they could have switched him out at any time with like Patrick Warburton and it would have had the same effect. Yeah. (laughs) He's probably the backup. I don't understand why he was running. Like, you're an angel. Do you have to run? (laughs) But I think he asked, he asked Gabriel that. He's like, why are you, or he asked uh, Azarephal that. He's like, why are you eating? Like, I don't understand. You don't have to eat. Why are you eating? He's like, because I like it. It's good. Like, yeah. I know perfectly well that if I could be completely healthy without eating, I still would eat a way too much. I would too. I would yeah. too. Because it's fun. I like it. But yeah. I like when he goes in the bookstore, like he's trying to blend in. He's like, I need to go in the back and get some of your pornography, my good friend. Yes, yes. We are going to buy our pornography in the back. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, yeah, that didn't make you stand out at all. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. The whole group of them, the cast of characters was great. And especially when you see the angels and demons trying to blend in with the people on Earth when Aziraphale and Crowley did it so well and easily, right? I wonder how much of the TV series Supernatural came out of this book. I don't because know. Their angels lot. and demons are a lot alike. Crowley, Crowley, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just kind of a, hmm, maybe. Yeah. And even the characters of like Michael and Gabriel and things like that really kind of line up in both ways as this avenging angel as opposed to the benevolent angels and archangels and things like, or the, you know, the guardian angels, the seraphims and whatever that we hear about more often. Yeah. Yeah, And that the angels are not necessarily pure and they really want war. And Mm -hmm. well, it's more about being righteous than right, which I think is a, a, a very big distinction that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. 
So yeah. anyway, I, I love this movie and this book so much. They were so much fun. I like kind of want to go read it again and watch the series like 24 more times. I watched the series twice already. Yeah, I'm about to watch it again. We just watched it last weekend. So I know it's great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So I wonder what their our audience thought of it. Yeah, let us know. Tweet us, email us at contact us at nerdybitches.com. Let us know what you liked best about Good Omens and we'll maybe give you a shout out about it. All right, we'll go to break really quick. When we come back, yep. let's talk about that ending. Oh, yes. Hi, this is Mouse. I'm Weens. <laughs> we have the Mouse and Weens podcast. Mouse and Weens. I'm a big sister in San Diego with kids and I'm married. And I have uh, no friends. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I do. I have friends. I just don't have any boyfriends or love. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mouse and Weens podcast, you usually listen to it. Yeah, it's, it's not really depressing. Fun. We talk about family stories, life and love, and kids, and all the things you're interested in. We promise. Yay! Celebrities in Hollywood, too. Poke your little turtle head out and come listen to us. <laughs> Mouse and Weens. Bye. Bye. Hey everybody, this is Kelly Reynolds and I'm the host of Boobies and Newbies, the podcast that asks novice romance readers to think outside the dick in a box. Join me for a new episode every Friday as we review romance novels with non-romance readers. From the sweet, loving, fairy tale romances of the Highlands. Who cares about up against the wall by the fruit trees? Like, where's the dragon? Inside the belly of the dragon. To the naughty erotic threesomes with Navy Seals. Sex was a 10. I mean, you cannot get any better than this book. Come okay, on, you guys. Good. Really. We read it all. Check us out at Booby Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Listen to previous episodes on any podcast streaming platform. And stay tuned for our upcoming holiday series, The 12 Days of Boobsmas. All right. One of the things about the series I noticed was like the ending of the story right where the Antichrist is found, the four horsemen are sitting around, the them are yelling at him a little bit, you know, they're in a nuclear power plant because why not? Mm-hmm. So it gets to that big, you know, ending and okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna wait on this. We're gonna stop the apocalypse for now. So we're good. And the Antichrist decides he's not that evil. Mm-hmm. And there you go. So yay anticlimactic ending but that was like <laughs> the first four minutes of the last episode yeah it was just kind of a boring ending adam was like my dad not you satan my actual dad right teaches me right from wrong and i was like yeah good for you little little adam anyway nice. and then but then they talk about how pissed off that the angels and demons are that the war that the war was averted and they're pissed off at Aziraphale and Crowley because they, you know, interfered to try and make it so that the apocalypse didn't happen. And apparently that is a fireable offense. Right. But it's not enough just to fire them. No, no. We need to destroy them. We're going to yep. put them on trial first. They have to have a trial, you know, which was up appearances. Which was completely unbiased and with the jury of the peers. And oh, whatnot. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, they take Crawley down to hell and, you know, try him and they take Azarafel up to heaven and they just basically tell him that they're going to, you know, oh, we're going to send you to hell. And they tell Crawley, oh, we're going to throw you in a vat of holy water so you can know how terrible it is because you did that to another demon because he did that to another demon and it was awesome. We missed that yes. part, but <laughs> we knew yes. they were coming after him. And he had gotten Azarafel to give him holy water, like as an insurance policy, if he ever needed to off himself, basically. Um, but he ended up using it against these uh, dukes of hell that were coming after him. And God, they were gross. They were so gross. <laughs> it was <laughs> so gross to watch. Then they both had like these lizards on their head. Both of us like, why is there a lizard on your head? And why does it have human hands? That's weird. Yeah, like- they, they were gross. and. You know, it's like, yeah, you're not going to blend in. How do you even tempt people when you look like that? Because I would immediately be off-put, and anything you said would not tempt me in any any way. Yeah, and the only the only thing off-putting about Crowley was the eyes. God, his yeah. eyes were creepy because he had these yellow snake eyes. But he wore sunglasses. That's so like, oh, he wears sunglasses even if he doesn't eat. I was like, yeah, it's really hard to blend in when you've got fucking snake eyes as a person yeah (laughs) people tend to notice those things exactly or a lizard on your head which is i mean 
I don't like, understand why they were like, oh, it's completely fine to wear a lizard on our head, but God forbid you cover up your... Yeah, uh, it was like, is it a hat? Like, what? Understand what's happening? It's like his fascinator. Just- it's like, oh, we're going to the we're going to the horse races. <laughs> it is a fascinator. If you're if you're too young to know what a fascinator is, it's a tiny little hat that sits on your head, usually at an angle. So. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, so they you know they take them, and so what they've done is they have this park in London where they tend to meet and they they keep talking about how this whole park is full of spies not just angels and demons but like this is where the russians and the americans and the you know all these different factions are their their operatives are like meeting up in this park and they've got the ducks trained like who has the best bread and all this kind of stuff <laughs> and so they're in this park like hey have you heard anything from your side nope not a word how about you nope hopefully they'll just forget about us and then right about that time they get nabbed by the angels and the demons and get drug off to heaven and hell, respectively. And so then they put them on trial. They go through the trial. Oh, you're guilty. Do you have anything to say for yourself? Blah, 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 blah. So they're going to throw him in this vat of like bathtub full of holy water. Now, this is not in the book. And they have this bitchy angel who is Michael, but she's a woman. And so she comes down with this never ending carafe of holy water, I guess, to dump in the bathtub. And then they're going to, they're going to put a Zarephel in the hellfire. But yeah, the holy water will kill, uh, will kill a demon. The hellfire will kill an angel. But then they test because they're demons. They test the hellfire <laughs> or the holy water on this cute little demon, pudgy little demon. This little adorable. pudgy demon. They just chuck him in. They're like, sorry, wrong place, right time. So, like, assholes. Yeah. I was like, that's kind of a dick move. The angels did not do that, may no, I add. They did but, not. So, but it was interesting how heaven and hell were working together at this point because they did send a demon upstairs to bring the the hellfire and they sent yes. the angel downstairs to bring the holy water so yeah they were um closer than they think because they both wanted the same result so yep. they were working together a little bit but oh yeah yeah so it basically comes down to all right crawley we're gonna put you in the the holy water do you have anything to say he's like yeah this is a new jacket do you mind if i take it off and so he like strips down and then he gets in the bathtub but then we just see him like lounging in the tub and they're like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> And Azarephel's in the, the demon fire, just like, hmm, this feels nice. It's a little warm. I like it. Why isn't this happening? Like, what's happening? They're scared because they're thinking, okay, so when the angels and demons first split, obviously there was a complete change in their makeup because one is affected by one and one is not affected by the other. And the fact that they've been in uh, around humanity for so long they may have evolved into a new kind of something. Mm-hmm. And they're very concerned about this. Scared. So yeah. they're like, they've changed. They've been here <laughs> they've too long. They've gone native. <laughs> yeah. Then um, they're frightened. Because what can mm-hmm. he do to us if this doesn't affect him? And he says, you know, I think you should just stay the hell away from me from now on. And they're like, yeah. yeah. Just leave us alone. <laughs> they're like, all right, no problem. <laughs> so then they uh, they get back together. So they're like, did anybody suspect? Nope. What about you? Nope. And then they switch because they have basically both taken on the other's Body, physical yeah, form yeah. Um, to, to fool them. And I'm like, you know, so like take a show like Supernatural, right? Where you've got these angels and they are inhabiting human bodies and the same thing with the demons but they know who it is without having to ask them so you think they'd be able to like spidey sense it out as to whether or not this is an angel in the midst of demons and vice versa but yeah apparently not apparently it's a hundred percent by the body that you have at this time but i do like um this when they switched you realized because you know this again it was only in the miniseries that was like oh yeah aziraphale was sitting like crowley and crowley mm-hmm. was sitting like aziraphale and i didn't put two and two together because Crowley always sits like really slouched back. It's really bad on your lower back the way he sits, you know? Yeah. And he, he, he leans back and he, he leans on his uh, leg. And Aziraphale is always perfect posture, sitting, knees together, you know. And he was so prim and proper. It yeah. Was, it was kind of adorable. And then through time, and then they're sitting at restaurants together and they have that same, like, that's how they sit. And mm-hmm. everybody can just be comfortable with this is how uh, they are. And, you know, some of the fancy restaurants that Aziraphale was taking Crawley to, I was like, 
how how inclined would they be like like this guy wearing sunglasses and has long hair and the skinny jeans? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they'd probably think he was a rock star or something. I guess. I love how much they're like just miracling their way through everything. <laughs> it's like, everything's a miracle. It's- yeah, it's like I hear a, a table just opened up. But- <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, like when they when they run over anathema device on her bike and uh as is trying to fix her bike so that she will not realize that they have in fact you know destroyed her bike and this car that are now totally fine and she's like i'm pretty sure that my you know this that my bike didn't have you know a crossbar or a bell or a basket or whatever it was that he kept yeah. adding stuff and i don't know it's pretty funny yeah it was hilarious. they're like gaslighting or they're not oh no it's always been like that <laughs> like how would you know you just got here you wouldn't know yeah i mean it's just cute little things like that especially for some reason Aziraphale felt that if he miracled his jacket clean he would know it was always dirty underneath right but if Crowley did it it didn't bother him I have no yeah. idea why but I don't I, know if, either if you just get the opportunity to have Crowley touch you I totally understand Aziraphale like that's your thing <laughs> I'm down whatever that takes if you do it it's fine <laughs> yeah. they're very flirty I liked it yeah, they were just cute and just, uh, you know, even if they weren't romantically involved, which they totally should be, they were the cutest of friends. And you just think, yeah, these are those, you know, opposites attracting and, but you can tell that there's this lifetime of friendship and dependability. It was just wonderful to see. I just really love that relationship. And I think that had they had anything else in the show, but that relationship, it would not have been uh, as great of a story or... No, uh, it wouldn't. Yeah. They're basically soulmates. You know what I mean? Like, they're just like two halves of the same coin kind of thing. So that was really nice. And and being able, like you said, the, the episode where they show them throughout space and time, if you will, uh, throughout history, just meeting up and, oh, did you do that? Oh, did you do that? Yeah. Uh, why do we keep battling each other out? We're just canceling each other out. Like nothing's happening. How about if we just go for sushi instead, which I think is always a good option. So I did read on the internet, somebody had said, hey, please stop putting fanfic together with Crowley becoming an angel again because he does some nice things. Nobody wants that. That's not his nature. And then somebody said, no, it's not. However, if he did get re-angeled and then we're trying to do all kinds of things to get back, I would totally read the shit out of that. I'd watch that too. <laughs> there should, I would really love to see another version of this like, or, you know, like a continuation of this. But again, it would just have to be like, the advent- misadventures of Crowley and Azarafel, because you can't come back and just keep apocalypsing because nobody's going to care. Like, fine, end it. We don't care. Yeah. Even if there was a spin-off with any of the other characters, I don't think I would care as much. No, I didn't care about any of them. Yeah. In the book, I really liked the characters themselves, so it wasn't necessarily that uh, Michael Sheen and David Tennant brought them to life, but man, mm-hmm. it was good casting. Oh. No, I mean, they they really brought the book to life is what they did, because I think this was just about as close of an adaptation that you could get from a book to a series. And I'm glad that they chose to do it as a series as opposed to trying to put it all in one movie because it yeah. just wouldn't work. Yeah. And when it was a series, it was about as long as mm-hmm. the book, at least the audio book, right? 12 hours versus maybe eight. The book was about twice the length of. But again, there's a lot of exposition and explaining of things in there as there are in books that you just do with cinematography as a, you know, as a movie. Yeah. Again, those intro credits. So good. And just having them just walk across the thing continuously through time. It's awesome. Yeah. And the music. Oh, mm-hmm. it was great. So I am a big, big fan of Good Omens, so I hope everybody enjoyed it as well. And I don't think that if you hated it, you would listen to this show, but, you know, it wouldn't be the first time people that have hated a point of view we've had have listened to the show and told us about it. Yeah. (laughs) Though, honestly, it doesn't happen as often as you think. No, because normal people don't seek out things that they are opposed (laughs) to to listen to so that they can complain about them. Normal people go, I'm not interested in this, so I'm not going to listen. I know, that's the thing. It's like, here's the deal. I get it. We are not for everyone because not every podcast that I've listened to did I enjoy. Some of them I thought were pretty damn boring or their audio sucks or whatever. But guess what? I just don't listen anymore. I don't go trash them and I don't have to tell them that they have personally offended me. We had some idiot come out and do that a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, okay. They're like, I hope you've gotten better since episode 10. I'm like, well, 
we got 145 plus episodes under our belt, so I hope so. But, you know, bye. Like, you really, yeah. really don't have to come and tell me that. If you don't like it, okay. I don't care. But there's no reason to go out of your way to be a dick about it. Okay. Same vein. <laughs> um, When people post recipes on the internet, do not put yuck as a comment. <laughs> Who yeah. gives a shit if you don't like green beans? You right. don't need to comment on it. Well, it's like, why are you reading the recipe if you know you don't like the main ingredient? Like, exactly. it just doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm like, I'm going to go yuck. after a peanut butter pie and they go, ugh, it's got peanut butter in it. Well, yeah, that's kind of its purpose. Yeah. I'm um, allergic to peanut butter. Sad. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I don't think anyway. I've ever done that on a recipe. That was just, I, I honestly, I've never responded, hey, yay, I like this on a recipe. I either like it and make it or I don't and don't. Exactly. So. You know, and I think the, um, the term should be don't yuck my yum. Like, if <laughs> I like it, who gives a shit if you don't? Like, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I don't care. I like our show. I listen to our show. I've listened to every episode of our show probably two or three times, depending on whether I'm the one editing or not. But I've always listened to him more than once, and that's just because I enjoy our conversation. That's why we have a podcast. Well, we're forced to listen to him twice, at least, because we have to listen to him as we do them. We have yeah. to listen to him as we edit them. So we already got two down. But I want to listen to it and get a download. <laughs> yeah. And then I usually go back and listen to it because I was enjoying it too much before. If I want to go pull quotes, then I have to listen to it another time to pull quotes out. So yeah. Yeah, so we hear our show a lot. If we didn't like it, it wouldn't go out. At least four downloads are from us, is what you've just heard. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. There you go. But since we have more than 12 followers now, it's all right. Theoretically. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, with the death of Podcoin, who knows yeah, now? Exactly. We may drop back down to 12. But Yeah. So anyway. All right. Here's our out-of-context internet quote of the day. It's from Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, Karen Kilgariff. At Karen Kilgariff. <laughs> That's from Karen. Yep. It's from Karen. But she, but this is perfect for a Karen. Fake breeds. I've told people my dog is at the dog park. Venetian Dabney. Brown Feta. Waxbeard. <laughs> Oxnard Pike. Blue Hustler. And High Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, I'm going to have to come up with one for Indiana. Oh, we get it all the time. What kind of dog is Daphne? I'm like, uh, mix? <laughs> We're like, she's a lab mix. I don't know. Are you going to yeah. ban a bully breed? Uh, she's a mix. Yeah, she's adorable. I don't know. I think Jake is some kind of combination of a small lab and a, I don't know. They they said at the shelter when my sister got him that he is a, like a small lab slash dachshund mix. But he's like 35 pounds and tall, so I don't know where they get dachshund from. He's only 35 pounds? He doesn't look... He looks way bigger than that. Jake? The white one? Yeah. No, he's like 30 pounds, maybe. I know he's the white one because he likes the pumpkin spice. <laughs> he is basic. <laughs> what do we name him? Jake from State Farm? Jake from State Farm. <laughs> that's what he looks like. He needs like a red polo and some khakis, and that's exactly what he looks like. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> It's been one of those days. <laughs> it's been ah. one of those years. This has ah. been the most consistent we have been on uh, podcasting ever. Yeah. Uh, we are now have have released a new sh or released a show every week since yep. January, which is <laughs> not common for us. Uh -huh. So yeah, we're a little tired, but yep. it's been awesome. I, I've loved it. <laughs> I know. So now that we're on wake, whatever the hell. <laughs> and we're done. No. <laughs> we're tired. No, we're good. Yeah. So next week we've got Halloween coming up. And I don't yeah. think we've ever done a Halloween episode before. It, so Yeah. And it's mostly because we remembered a little too late because there is a lag of one week before it publishes. And so we'd remember yeah. like tomorrow's halloween <laughs> like what yeah all right everybody well we'll see you next week so we'll have some spooky things to talk about yeah we'll see you guys next time Music provided by www.bensound.com and please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. I need to go in.
in the back and get some of your pornography, 